You're listening to Sky Women's Health Podcast, your evidence-based resource for women's health and wellness, exploring the holistic principles of osteopathy, integrating mind, body, and spirit, designed to empower you as your own healthcare advocate and help you live your best life. I'm your host, board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Carolyn Moyers. community. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are talking about an important article that was published in the Journal of the Menopause Society by none less but Dr. Avram Blooming. You may remember him from the episode Estrogen Matters, which is the title of his fabulous book. This particular article was written by himself, uh, Howard Hodis and Robert Linger, and it is titled Tis But a Scratch a critical review of the Women's Health Initiative evidence associating menopausal hormone therapy with the risk of breast cancer. I promise not to bore you with statistics because statistics are categorically incredibly boring (laughs) and confusing and sometimes feel manipulative. But I want to set the stage for what um, the the title of this article, because I thought thought it was curious. I was never a Monty Python fan, but um, that's what this comes from, uh, that in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the Black Knight loses an arm to King Arthur's sword, and then his three additional extremities are amputated in the same sword fight, but he refuses to admit defeat, and he says, tis but a scratch. And um, to their point, this critical analysis looking at the Women's Health Initiative's claim about breast cancer can no longer be seen as scratches. It's increasingly difficult to defend their initial conclusion that conjugated equine estrogen and medroxyprogesterone acetate actually increases the risk of breast cancer. So he points out that uh, Chobalski and Aragagi continue, these are um, two individuals who are part of the Women's Health Initiative study, continue to maintain that uh, the combo of estrogen and progesterone increases the risk of breast cancer, albeit no increased risk of death for breast cancer. And the concern is that we're minimizing and deflecting substantive criticism that does nothing but prolong the worry so deeply felt by women and physicians and the resulting underutilization of hormone therapy since the press conference by the Women's Health Initiative in Um, 2002. After decades of sounding the alarm about menopausal hormone therapy, the WHI now acknowledges that hormone replacement therapy is the most effective treatment. Menopausal hormone therapy is the most effective treatment. And so this is where he starts to poke holes in the data and kind of help us to look at it much more critically because a generation of women have been deprived from hormone therapy largely as a result of this widely publicized, misinterpreted data. 2023 Food and Drug Administrative Report, although 82% of U.S. women older than 45 years reported at least one menopausal symptom, only 10.5% had used any form of menopausal hormone therapy. So there is a large majority of women who are suffering either in silence or being dismissed because their symptoms aren't bad enough, or they're told they're not a good candidate, or they're told there's no options, or they're told it'll just delay the inevitable, you name it, or the provider just simply isn't comfortable with it and dismisses it. So oftentimes women are spending years trying to get help, not feeling themselves and suffering. 
when we know that the WHAF findings showed that conjugated equine estrogen alone is actually associated with a decreased risk of breast cancer, a decreased risk of death from breast cancer, a decreased risk of death from all causes. I mean, this is significant and it's the most effective treatment for managing menopausal vasomotor symptoms, particularly in women is when they start their hormone therapy within 10 years of their last menstrual period. He points to looking at the Women's Health Initiative reporting of non-significant results as if they were meaningful. So in um, statistical analysis, we look at something called a hazard ratio. And the hazard ratio is an estimate of the ratio of the hazard rate in treated versus a control group like this probability that if the event in question has not already occurred, it will occur in the next time interval. So divided by the length of the time interval, I mean, right. I told you I wouldn't bore you with statistics, <laughs> but to say that something is statistically significant means that with great certainty, we can claim that a result from data generated by testing or experimenting is likely to be attributable to that specific cause. So like, you know, when we compare this to a placebo, we can say there's actually enough of a difference that we think that this is the cause. And in the Women's Health Initiative, it almost reached nominal statistical significance. It, it wasn't actually statistically significant, but it was reported as if it was. The risk of breast cancer was the same in three of the of the four groups, women with no prior hormone therapy use randomized to placebo, women with no prior hormone therapy use randomized to conjugated equine estrogen plus medroxyprogesterone, and women with prior hormone therapy use randomized to conjugated equine estrogen plus medroxyprogesterone acetate. The only group with a different incidence rate was women with prior hormone therapy use randomized to placebo. This subgroup had a very low incidence of breast cancer, lower than that in the general population. The key point is that any explanation for the low incidence rate in the placebo group is irrelevant, whether due to prior hormone therapy use, unequal co-variations, or anything else does not change the fact that the remarkably low incidence rate in the placebo group elevates the hazard ratio, which the WHI misleadingly interprets, interprets as an increase in breast cancer risk. Data has actually shown that the fear generated by the WHI has actually increased mortality, especially among women who have had a hysterectomy who were denied estrogen treatment and older women dying of heart disease and hip fracture and has also increased healthcare spending. So we know that hormone menopausal hormone therapy is the most effective treatment for menopausal vasomotor symptoms. We know that it does not increase the incidence of breast cancer and that we've all been misled and it's impacted how physicians were trained. It's impacted um, how women have been treated. Uh, and now it continues to impact women's access to quality care by trained individuals, this oftentimes leads to, or has led to, you know, a, a hormone therapy clinic on every corner um, and people being on unopposed estrogen or transdermal estrogen and not having adequate protection of their uterine lining and increasing your risk of endometrial cancer. I mean, it's quite significant, um, the, the detriment um, that has occurred over the years. And so 
I'm bringing this to your attention simply to kind of inform you because it's it's uh, exciting to see someone, you know, kind of hold to the fire and, and bring this to the public so that we can stop the fear mongering. Don't fear your estrogen therapy. Don't fear your hormone therapy. If you have a uterus, you need progesterone to protect your endometrium. Simple as that. And you, as if you listen to the podcast for some time, you know that this is either given orally or by a progesterone producing IUD. And in cases where individuals are um, having a hard time tolerating progesterone, we could even give it vaginally. So those are our options for um, proper absorption and protection of the endometrial lining from um, hyperplasia or precancerous cells or endometrial cancer occurring. Okay. So don't fear your estrogen. Advocate for yourself. Share this episode with a friend if you think it would be helpful. Until next week, be well. Thank you for joining me on Sky Women's Health Podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date with our latest content. This episode is proudly sponsored by Sky Women's Health, your go-to destination for midlife gynecology and DFW, specializing in perimenopause, menopause care, sexual medicine, and a unique thing we offer is osteopathic manipulative treatment for pregnant and postpartum patients. While we are nobody's primary OB, we collaborate with your OB to provide you comfort through your pregnancy. Stay tuned for more empowering discussions. Until next time, be well.